This is Reset and can be found at mccabe.io. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries, mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and I'll be bringing some friends along. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that's sat on my desk for years. It reminds me that no matter how much we mess something up, there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Reset, everybody. I'm your host, David McCabe. This is Reset number 13. You can find it at McCabe.io. You can find me on Twitter at McCabe.io. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash David McCabe. I'm going to quickly get out of the way because I've got a great show. It's an interview with Richard Gunther. Now, Richard hosts one of my favorite podcasts of all time. It's called Home On. You can find that pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Just type it in, Home On. And it's about home automation, which is my favorite topic these days. You guys know that for sure. We're going to be talking about lighting. And it's going to be a really fun subject. Now, don't get turned off if you're not interested. I think you should pay attention. I'm going to start, Richard, with some like base questions. I really have some things... I want to know about about not just like smart lighting and how to do hubs and automation and stuff, but just lighting in general, LED and what's going on and what can we look forward to. I think you're going to like this conversation. It was a whole lot of fun. You can find Richard over at the Digital Media Zone where you'll find another one of my favorite podcasts called Entertainment 2.0, which he records with Josh Pollard. Good stuff. These guys put out really great content and have a really good website. You really should go take a look at it. So without rambling any further, let's talk to Richard Gunther. Hi, Richard. Thanks for joining the show today. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. You know, I've I've listened to you and your podcasts for quite some time now. And you're always you're a big fan of lighting, as we all know, <laughs> Richard. We all know yeah. this. And maybe I have, unhealthily so. <laughs> well, no, no, it's great. You know, I I, that's where I glean the information from is when I need to know about lighting, I know Richard Gunther is the place to go. But here's the thing, Richard, I haven't been that interested in it. It just, it hasn't piqued my interest like home automation and smarts in the home have, but mm-hmm. I'm coming around. I have found that it, it now interests me. I want to, I want more information. And the first person I thought to ask to be on the show is is you. And I want to start you with just help me out with LED lighting in general. Because I go through my house and a bulb burns out and I'm thinking, should I replace that with an LED bulb? Help me out in <laughs> just explaining this phenomenon, how we got here and and what it's all about. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, you used to go into a Lowe's or a Home Depot and you'd go to the light bulb aisle and you had to figure out, okay, well, what wattage do I need? And there'd be a wall of these commoditized white bulbs. And maybe you bought a clear one if you had a special need or a three-way bulb, but it was really easy. And nowadays, if you go in to buy a light bulb, it is just ridiculously complicated. I think the, I the, sh- <laughs> the short answer to your question of should I replace an incandescent bulb 
with an LED bulb is yes, absolutely yes, you should. And we'll talk about some of the reasons for that. But the real question is, where do you start? And so I kind of would like to look at this from the perspective of, okay, okay, well, let's take that old world example where I just walk into Home Depot and I want a regular bulb. The classic screw-in bulb, it's technically known as an A19 or an A21, depending on its size. And there are so many things that you need to take into consideration now. When compact fluorescents came out, those little swirly bulbs, Mm -hmm. they really started this complication because what, what they did is they introduced this concept of color temperature. And they did that kind of by accident because fluorescent light is a different color than the type of standard incandescent bulbs that we've all become used to in our homes. And when they packaged this stuff, I feel like they did a terrible job of educating consumers about what that color means and what types of color you should be looking at for different use cases. So the color is is the first problem. And that problem, unfortunately, continues in as we look at LEDs. The other thing that you need to think about with LEDs now is that LEDs aren't, you know, wattage doesn't really have anything to do with how bright a light is if it's an LED bulb. That's not technically true, but there's not an exact correlation that you can count on. What you care about now is lumens. Now, the good news is that this is one area where I think the companies have done a fairly good job in explaining that this is a 60-watt equivalent, or this is a 75-watt equivalent. And we're now at the point, you know, like three years ago, we couldn't say this, but we're now at the point where you can walk in and find LED equivalents for 25, 40, 60, 75, 100 watt, whatever your need is, you're likely going to be able to find it. And so that we really are at kind of peak LED in terms of these, I think, are now at the point where they're commoditized the way that standard incandescent bulbs had been. But you just need to know what the numbers mean so you make the right decisions. And we can talk a little bit about that. And perhaps that was a a reason for my confusion is I think you're right. I think it is easier. The packaging is easier. And back in the A19 days, it was 40, 60, 100. It was like, find me the cheapest box of 500 bulbs and I'll take that to my home (laughs) and I'm good. They pop, I replace it. The equivalency, I think in wattage does help. I think like the layperson, like myself, because I think 100 watt bright, (laughs) 40 watt, you know, little lamp in the corner. Yep. And it does help. So transitioning oh and and cfls richard i hate those i hate cfls oh yeah but how many did i buy oh tons a tons i'm sure you did probably a couple dozen i hate them richard i have taken them all back i i pulled them (laughs) you know but besides the fact that they're like mini grenades with uh chemical warfare (laughs) chemical warfare built into them we could just hurl those at our enemies and we would be good so you mentioned lumens. Now this is where 
the first part of confusing sets in when you stand in front of that, not section, but entire aisle at Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah, absolutely. Because there will be like a spotlight bulb and it'll be a 600 lumen and it's a little less expensive and I kind of like it. And then there's Philips, which is like 1200 lumens and it says more like sunlight or more like yellow. And then there's a graph, Richard, that has this line (laughs) in the middle. And sometimes the line is over here on the white yellow and it looks fine, but there's this other line that's over by blue. And I'm like, okay, I'm confused again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not. So you're really talking about two things there. You're talking about color temperature and lumens. Now that line is a part of a standard Department of Energy labeling system that all light bulbs sold in the U.S. are supposed to have. So if you buy a light bulb, you have some common way of of looking at them and comparing them. Kind of like the nutrition facts. It's the lighting facts label. It's the nutrition facts for your light bulbs. So lumens is what you care about in terms of brightness. How much light will this put out? Now, that doesn't tell you anything about whether it's a focused light or a diffused light or a daylight light. It's just how bright can this thing get? And generally, if you're looking at something that's like 800 lumens, that's typically the equivalent of a 60-watt incandescent bulb. So kind kind of think about that number as a baseline for all of the other values you might see for lumens. Something like 1100 is much closer to a 75 watt bulb, or maybe even a little brighter than that. And you're even seeing bulbs that are 13 or 1400 more along the lines of, say, a 100 watt bulb. These numbers, like I said, I I think they're really confusing for people. And because they're inner, inner, um, <laughs> intersecting with other numbers like color temperature and and color rendering index and all these other things, uh, it, you you don't know where to start. So that's the brightness thing. Let's talk about the color thing. If you want a bulb that looks like your traditional old white bulb that you would have bought for twenty seven cents and taken home and used in a lamp, you want something that's considered warm white or a color temperature of 2,700 Kelvin. That's usually the left end of that line scale that you're talking about. That scale is differentiated between warm white on the left end and daylight on the right end. It goes from more of a yellow hue to more of a blue hue. And this is one of the things that has confused consumers since the swirl top bulbs came out, the CFLs. And the daylight bulbs are typically the kind of light that you might want in, say, a garage or a basement workspace or maybe even an outdoor flood or something like that. These lights are very, they appear brighter, but they're not really brighter. It's just that the color is different. So it gives it the appearance of being brighter. And people get fooled into buying them because they're like, oh, well, I want that one. It's brighter. It, it's not, it's just a whiter or actually bluer light. 
And oftentimes people take them home and they're like, wow, that looks terrible in my lamp. That looks like something that I'd have in, you know, an office or something. So generally, if you're looking for something inside the house, you want a warmer color like the 2700. If you're looking for something for a living space, if you're looking for something for a workspace, then you may want to go more toward that whiter color like the daylight or something in between that sometimes they call it bright white. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that. I've, you know, I've experimented in different spots. I've bought, you know, that classic A19 size bulb and I have put it in different areas like my kitchen. My kitchen has down lighting and my granite countertops are kind of this gold color and I have a warm wood color and I threw this super bright white light at it and it looked horrible. <laughs> it did. And I yeah. I yeah. put I put back in the incandescence with that kind of a warm yellow glow. And I was like, okay, that's kitchen. That's how it has to be. But yet yeah. I put those same lo- bulbs in different spots. And yeah, I got my bright, super white light that I needed in which to, you know, light a couple of dark areas. And I, I mentioned this to you. Uh, when we were discussing, you know, privately how I had this basement area and it had, I think, six 75 or 100 watt bulbs and you couldn't see a thing. And this is where my wiring rack is, my servers, my NAS and all that kind of stuff. So I threw in some 100 watt LEDs, just super bright white light and it changed everything. Even the feeling of going into the basement was different because I don't feel gloomy. I don't feel like, okay, I'm locked into a prison cell. No, it's nice and bright, white yeah. light. And I can see, I love it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The, the The same thing is true in my attic. I replaced all of the heavily heat-emitting 100-watt bulbs that were in my attic, and there were all these dark corners all over the place in the attic with a bunch of 100-watt equivalent LEDs, and it was the same situation. It just felt like, wow, this is such a better light. <laughs> Nowadays, Absolutely. the light that you get from an LED is much better dispersed than you might get out of an incandescent bulb. So what you're finding is that the, um, you know, when you talk about a 100-watt equivalent, you might actually be getting more light out of it than that because... It, Incandescent light bulbs technically are really inefficient. I mean, basically, you're yeah. emitting more heat than you are light. <laughs> so True. the the LEDs work in a very different way and oftentimes can be much more effective. So, yeah, that's something that is uh, interesting. Now, you mentioned your basement. The other thing that I love about LEDs is that compact fluorescents were actually really terrible for a space that you only would go into occasionally or typically would go into for a couple minutes and then leave. And a lot of people didn't realize this, but you know, when you buy a bulb and it's advertised to last for 20 years or whatever, that's under such ridiculous assumptions. And obviously they didn't test the bulb for 20 years because how did they get it out, right? They extrapolated that from lab tests that they've done. But typically that's done with the assumption that you're going to use this bulb for three hours a day, every day for 20 years, and that it's going to go on once and go off once. 
every time you turn an, an LED or sorry, a uh, CFL on and off, you're actually making it work harder. You're reducing its life a little bit. And so if you have that in a closet that gets opened constantly or in a basement or a cuppy that is only going to go on and off for a couple minutes, that's a really inefficient use of that type of bulb. LEDs, perfect for that. LEDs are great for that. So I love that they've solved that problem too. Yeah. Now, one more thing before we get off of color. Uh, I also want people to understand that just because they buy a 2700 Kelvin bulb, a, a warm white bulb, doesn't mean that all warm white bulbs are going to look the same. They don't. Oftentimes, the measurement scale is not as accurate as it needs to be, particularly with some of these import manufacturers. If you look at, for example, a store brand bulb like the EcoBright or whatever the brand is from uh, from the folks at Home Depot, those bulbs do not have the same warmth that you might find of an equivalent color temperature bulb from, say, Philips. I, I used to be kind of anti-Philips because I didn't like the direction that they were going with their electronics. Well, for the most part, they've got at, gotten out of consumer electronics manufacturing, and now they're really focusing on lighting and, and industrial and things like that. And they understand lighting. They actually bought a company called Color Kinetics that that really got LED lighting. And so they've taken that, I think, probably further than most other manufacturers. If you're looking for something that's going to give you the truest color that you're after, a bulb from Philips in your Home Depot is probably one of your best bets. Cree, also great bulbs, very inexpensive now. You can get like a box of, I think, four Crees for maybe $10 or something like that. So... You know, this this stuff has come a long, long way. And the other thing that you can do is you can find these bulbs that are now designed to look like they have old vintage filaments in them. Mm, they're LEDs, but they're actually designed to look like an old-fashioned Edison bulb. And I've incorporated a couple of them around my house. Again, be careful if you buy the store brands. You really want to look for something from a more reputable lighting manufacturer like Fight or one of the other companies that's been making these for a while. Well, since we're on, well, since we're standing in that aisle, <laughs> costs are obvious. It, it, it's on my mind every time I go into that aisle, Richard. It, the mm -hmm. costs of these bulbs are, I mean, they're expensive. Now, granted, they have been coming down in prices. And there's... There's a ratio of cost per bulb to expense over the lifetime of that bulb. And I don't quite get it, but I was hoping that maybe you could shed some light on the costs of LEDs. I see what you did there. <laughs> All right. So this is actually pretty similar to the story that we were told with CFLs. And for the most part, it is true that these LED bulbs are designed to last for many, many, many years. If you buy an incandescent bulb and you throw it in your closet or you throw it in a can somewhere in your ceiling, it's probably going to last for a couple years if you're lucky. Particularly if you paid 27 cents for it, it's very likely not going to last much more than a year or so. If you buy an LED bulb, it's very, it's expected to live about 20 years. And, you know, that's, that's not BS. I mean, that's based on a lot of lab tests that they've done to see how they can stress these things and how long the 
phosphorescent material in the bulb is expected to uh, continue to function properly. So you're not going to be spending the money that you would be spending on replacing a whole bunch of bulbs. So if you spent 25 cents, let's say, just to make the math easier on one bulb every year, because a 25 cent bulb is going to have to be replaced every year. It's not going to last very long. Mm -hmm. Instead, for let's say, let's say even 10 years, you're going to get, you know, it would cost you 250. All right. Well, now I'm going to buy something that does cost about 250 because you can buy these multi-packs where you do get LED bulbs for about that price nowadays. And even if it only lasts 10 years, it's supposed to last 20, but even if it only lasts 10 years, you're already breaking even. Now, I'd like to think that this is that easy, that the math is that easy, but let's be honest, it's not, right? Because you probably have a pile of light bulbs in a closet that aren't being used, and so you have to take that into consideration. But the other thing, and this is a big one, is that those 100-watt light bulbs that you use use a lot of energy. And these new LEDs, the equivalent is usually like something like between one-tenth to one-seventh of what it cost to run the bulb before. So as an example, I took the bulbs that you had in your basement. You said you had 10 100-watt bulbs in the basement when we were prepping for the show. That's 1,000 watts. Mm -hmm. If you run that for a couple hours a night for a year, that's basically like at the rates that I'm paying for electricity, that's about $75 to run those light bulbs. Right. That's crazy. I know. I know. So why wouldn't you want to cut that to like $15? Now do the math. You paid more for the light bulb, but you just saved a ton of money for each one of those light bulbs each year. True. Very true. And I I did that in my garage too. I had 100 watt burning bulbs. And that's a, the garage is like one of those places that you leave on, you know, accidentally. And those things are burning and burning and burning. I've come home from a two week vacation and those things have been on. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So that's the first place that I go to. And I put the super white LED bulbs into, uh, into my garage. So now there's yep. a lot there's a lot of varying costs. You you said those Home Depot bulbs and those you know those Lowe's you know store bought store bought bulbs are a little like a little cheaper than your Philips and your and your higher end bulbs. Now, what I found is I I go around the corner from the light bulb aisle and I look for the like I call it an end cap. And there's always yep. the markdown and reduced cost stuff, you know, like one handle, you know, and things like that. <laughs> and there's always LED bulbs there now. I don't know why this is so. And they may be the store bought and they may be, I mean, the, the store brand, but they're always marked down. And usually it's that big box that's $20 <laughs> and nobody wants to pay $20 for light bulbs when you're, you know, you're at. Lowe's to, to buy something different. Right. But when you compute it out and it's eight bulbs, it really comes in, you know, to, that's a good deal. These are like floods or something. So yep. 
I don't know if that's just a little tip. Go around the corner, look at the end caps. Absolutely. And the multi-packs also make a big deal, like you're saying. that it, mm-hmm. it makes the per unit price a lot cheaper. Those end caps, the reason there's so much stuff on those end caps, particularly with lighting, is that lighting technology has moved so fast just in the last two or three years. I mean, if you think about it, LED bulbs at a home store three or four years ago were the mm-hmm. exception. Now... The LED bulbs are the majority of the light bulbs in those sections. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what they're really doing is they're trying to move the last generations of bulbs that they're not shelving anymore because Philips and Fate and all these other companies that are making these bulbs are constantly improving them. You know, I talked about the store brand stuff. One thing, I want to make one exception to that. If you have a Lowe's near you, and you have an opportunity to buy bulbs from the Lowe's brand, Utilitech. Okay. Those are some really good bulbs. I've bought some. Yeah, I've bought quite a few of those. In fact, that's that was my choice for 100-watt bulbs because they were just cheaper. I mean, honestly, they yep. were cheaper and they looked fine. They also have a three-way equivalent that is probably the best, nicest, warmest light that I would want for a bedside lamp. I think they're, okay. they've done a really good job with their store brand there, for sure. Okay. Now, I think that we've, I think we've done a good job for Mother Earth, right? We're buying LEDs. <laughs> we're saving money. And I, I, I think we understand it now. I, I can send my listeners to the, to the aisle and you can buy bulbs smartly now. Please experiment, everybody, if you're listening. Please experiment. It's a, it's a great thing. But I want I want to do more, Richard. And I've listened to your show, and I I don't want once again I don't get it. There are smart light bulbs, and I don't understand that whole philosophy. <laughs> there as well. I'm just now getting comfortable with LED. And now you tell me it's got Bluetooth in it or a speaker or a shower head. You know, these things have everything. Yeah. What is, tell me, get, get me it's started. Crazy. It's crazy. So you referred to them as smart bulbs. I, I have a problem with that term. And a lot of companies call their product smart bulbs. The reality is that most of the these bulbs have no smarts in them. Right. I, I might argue that Lifex, one of the brands that you might find at your local Best Buy, is probably one of the few bulbs that actually has smarts in it because it can stand on its own. It connects to your Wi-Fi network. It meshes with other similar devices, and it it knows how to dim, it knows how to change colors. It can do most of that with built-in processing capabilities. Most bulbs just have a chip that connect them to something. So I typically refer to these as connected bulbs. Connected bulbs. Okay. Yeah. And you know, we've looked at a lot of these at the DMZ. We've reviewed a bunch of them. This landscape is constantly changing too. And connected bulbs can range from Let's say, you know, the first thing that people might think of is Hue, because Mm -hmm. that's probably the first brand that had a product out. And that was 
a pretty big deal because not only could it be connected to your network and you could control it remotely, but it could change color too. And that can be pretty cool. It got a bit of a bad rap as a gimmick. And in fact, I thought of it that way initially. But as they started rolling out Hue and working with other manufacturers to make Hue as compatible as possible with as many different products that are out there today, meaning other lighting systems, smart home systems, locks, doorbells, thermostats, they've done a really good job of ensuring that I think the best global compatibility in the industry of any other lighting product out there. Yeah. Philips would be the first uh, connected bulb that I, I would identify with, right? They've been out there probably the longest. And I also identify them with cost because oh yeah, they have just, it's astronomical. I Absolutely. I, that's Absolutely. why I'm not, you know, I'm not in this scene because of that. Again, then, most people haven't been able to see past that initial offering. The initial offering was $200, $100 for three light bulbs. And that's a hard pill to swallow. They have since dramatically reduced the price of products that they've put out in that line. You can now buy a white dimmable light that's controllable for $15, which is pretty much the going rate. That's kind of the expected list price for a connected dimmable plain old white bulb. So they're in line with pretty much everyone else nowadays. They weren't before. They've even brought the price of that initial starter kit with the multiple lights in it and the color changing lights down, I think now to, I don't know, 160, I think it is. But part of that is that you're paying for a bridge. Like These lights from Hue don't just connect right to your network. These are lights that use a connection protocol known, a communication protocol known as Zigbee. And those Zigbee lights connect to a bridge that allows them to talk to your network. And you get that bridge with that starter kit. You could also get a starter kit for, say, 80 bucks that's just white bulbs. And so you could start that way. And that's the thing that really makes me, I don't know, not, you know, concerned is the wrong word, but frustrated with this concept of smart light bulb. The smarts for most of these things are usually in a hub or a bridge or an app or something like that. Mm-hmm. So these connected bulbs are reliant upon some mechanism usually for communicating. <clears throat> but you know, lots of companies are making this now. You know, I mentioned Philips on one end. Now, if you go into that Home Depot aisle, there are a whole bunch of different products that you can buy there. You can buy connected lights from Osram, from Wemo, from uh, Illumi, if you were to look at Best Buy or Lifex, as I mentioned previously. Jasco, the, the company, I think it's a part of GE, actually, if, at least it used to be just came out with a Z-Wave bulb that works with Z-Wave systems that you might have called the Embrighton. Fate actually has 
a smart bulb of their own called the Homebright. It's a Bluetooth-enabled bulb. I wouldn't recommend it because it doesn't really work with anything else. But, you know, there are lots of manufacturers coming out with these products now, and we're getting to a point that even these, even these connected bulbs are starting to become commoditized. The vendors are fighting that. They don't want that to be the case. They want their product to be the special snowflake. And that causes problems because that means that they're doing stuff that in one way or another makes these bulbs less compatible with other bulbs that you might buy. So that, if you're thinking about connect bulbs, that's like my biggest lesson for you is that you need to be aware of what those bulbs are compatible with because not all bulbs can work with each other or with whatever system you might happen to have in your home. And that, you know, you think color temperature is confusing for Mm -hmm. customers. Oh, this is a whole new world of hurt and confusion for customers. Well, you went there, you said bridge. Now (laughs) bridge for, for those that may not be up on this thing, it's a box. You have to plug a box in somewhere centrally within your home. So it can relay that protocol, which is Zigbee around your home to those to those bulbs and i know that uh you and i were conversing on twitter where you had this this bridge i don't know what you what did you call it, it was, <laughs> i call it hubland hubland yeah it was a it was a <laughs> disney world of of hubs <laughs> you could go to this one and you could go to this standing one and this one with a blue light and this one with a green light it's crazy cuz I don't want any more hubs. I don't want bridges. I don't want switches and boxes in my home. So you said Zigbee. Now, will these talk to other Zigbee bridges or do I have to have a bridge talk to my bridge? So once again, Philips does the best job here. If if you have the Philips Hue system, there are many other Zigbee bulbs that are compatible with that and that you can just add to that system as if they were a part of the Hue ecosystem. It just recognizes them and it lets you use them. But it's interesting that you mentioned Zigbee because not all Zigbee is created equal. And that's been one of the biggest frustrations with Zigbee devices to date is that until Zigbee 3.0, which for the most part is not really implemented by anyone yet who's selling these things. And until that protocol is used in a whole bunch of new generation devices that we have, you don't necessarily know that one Zigbee bulb is going to be compatible with another Zigbee bulb. And what that means is that the Zigbee system that you might have purchased might not be able to operate the Zigbee bulb you just bought off the shelf. Mm. And that's crazy. That's just absolutely crazy. The same is true for Bluetooth. Not all Bluetooth bulbs can work with some other Bluetooth bulb manufacturer's app. And that problem has to be solved. Yeah, that's that's a mess. That's a mess, Richard. I've seen these other guys. I've seen Osram and Lifex bulbs. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing them right. Um, you are. Osram is the one with the little module that plugs in to the middle of the bulb. Is that the is that the right one, or is that no? Actually, you're thinking of Beyond, I believe. Beyond. Okay, uh, so there's this other bulb. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's a bit of a different animal entirely. That's that's worth a mention. If I have that name right, this is a bulb that has a module in it, and the module they sell different types of modules, but the the primary use case that they have is that it has a sound and motion sensor. So these bulbs can in fact be smart because they have sensors and uh, controllers built into them and they function on their own based on what's going on in your house and adapt to your lifestyle. These are not the kind of bulbs that you would say purchase to tie into your home automation system. The, those lights are intended to stand on their own and really fall into that small category of things I would actually consider smart smart bulbs. Right. Now, I was thinking that these may these type of products may work better in certain homes than others. Let's say like a a condo or a small apartment where you just have a couple of little bulbs and you can connect them and have them do, you know, make your toast, make your coffee, you know, put smarts into them with your different hubs. Are you making your toast in an easy bake oven or something? How I are you am. using light bulbs no, for that? I, I listen to Home On. <laughs> I use a June oven, right? <laughs> no, I do not. I no, I have not bought one of those. Um, no, but I, I'm thinking a house of my size. You know, just in this room alone, I have six can lights. Right. And I'm thinking if I'm buying Phillips in this room. I'm going to go broke really quickly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, this gets into a couple of different areas, and I don't know how far you want to go down this path, but one of the questions that you have to start asking yourself, if you have, for example, a ceiling with a whole bunch of bulbs in it, I have the same situation in my family room. I have some wall washers that are designed to throw light on the wall where you might have your mantle or your pictures hanging or something like that. And then in the center of the room, I have six cans for big, bright halogen floods. And I've just actually kept the halogen floods in there. And instead of installing smart bulbs, I've put them on a smart switch that connects to my home automation system. Now we don't have to go too far down this path, but you know, some of these bulbs will work with home automation hubs or systems that you have, like SmartThings or Instian or Wink or Iris or whatever. And if that's the case, and you already have other devices on those hubs or on those ecosystems, depending on your use case, you may want to consider a smart switch to turn all six bulbs on, control the dim level of all six bulbs, with one switch, that's a whole lot cheaper. In fact, that's probably the cost of one of those color-changing bulbs, and you have that whole room taken care of. Right. And, you know, that was going to be my last question for you. If I already have, you know, a Wink or a Smart Things or an Insteon hub in my house, you know, running door and window switches and garage doors, why wouldn't I just buy a $30 light switch? replace that, and run all the bulbs, just like you said. Now, there are some obstacles there. Uh, Electrician, you know, a lot of folks can handle that themselves, but there's some folks I can't. Um, Right. And those are the folks that can probably handle a light bulb. So I'm just just guessing. But that's the way I've gone, Richard. I've I've gone with the switches. 
and mm-hmm. instead of those light bulbs, but I'm still putting in LEDs where it where they need it, right? Where I don't need incandescent light. So I, I am doing it that way. So I that's and I not think wrong. that makes a lot of sense. Okay. A lot of sense. And nowadays the smart switches that you can buy are intended to be able to control these LED lights. Not all digital switches actually could originally control and dim LED lights before. So that is something that works well now. And I have that throughout my house. Most of my home is controlled with switches. And that's because I strongly believe in the analog switch. I don't want to rely on an app exclusively as the way of turning on a light. I think that's a fail. I think you have to also have a manual way of turning on a light. And that's why I like switches a lot. That's why I like these Pico remotes and the Zigbee remote that Lutron has come out with for connected bulbs that allow you to have a switch-like controller for the smart bulbs even that you have in your home. Because the thing, and you know, I, I mentioned the compatibility thing as the big hurdle for consumers with smart bulbs. The other big frustration is that smart bulbs and regular switches, whether it be the one on your wall or a dimmer or the little turn switch that's on the socket itself in your lamp, they don't play nice with smart bulbs because once the smart bulb is turned off, once it no longer has electricity, you can't turn it on from your app (laughs) or your system or anything else. You have to turn it on from the physical switch. That is a huge problem that I think very few companies have figured out. You've had companies try and come up with retrofit kits for light switches. They usually look terrible. You've, I, I really do feel like the best solution out there is what Lutron has done so far, which is their little remotes that fill the exact same physical space as a rocker would, but they allow you to control the bulbs as if it were a regular old light switch. That's true. That is, that that is a. I, I never even thought about that. You turn it off; it's off. It does not yeah. does not it's work done. in the OFF position. Um, Absolutely. And you know, one of Stacy Higginbotham's big gripes, and this is valid. I understand the physics behind it, but her concern is that these bulbs aren't dimmable with a built-in dimmer. You have to use the app to dim them, and that's because your dimmer is just supplying bulb electricity it's it's giving the electronics in that bulb the power to know how to dim or change color or turn on or whatever else dimming that electricity doesn't actually affect the brightness level of the bulb while still allowing the bulb to function properly so we have a lot of work yeah, that there's, would, there's still a lot ahead of us. That would never work in my house, Richard, with the bulb being <laughs> off and they're like, how do I turn the light on? You know, my house right. would stop functioning and I would be probably sleeping in the garage should I do something like that. However, <laughs> I do have, you know, small little automations of, you know, when a car pulls up, you know, lights turn on, you know, one of my cars, yep. obviously the outside lights turn on. If it's past sunset, you know, the, the automation hubs can do amazing things, but 
I'm really been considering lately like the Phillips like basic starter set in which to do some I don't know what you would call it Richard but it would be almost like where you were uh, painting the wall with light but you're painting like the tops of cabinets with a special color or maybe behind the TV set with a different color of something yep. and, and I've, I've even thought about doing that in my office now I say that because doesn't Phillips have some different types of bulbs not just a19 screw-in kind of bulbs but different things that you can play with yeah they have a bunch of different things and that's another thing that they've done very intelligently they're not just selling bulbs they're selling little dishes that I I would call it like a a bowl that is actually a light that might you might use to throw an accent color light up on a wall from maybe behind a plant or a piece of furniture or something. They also have light strips. A lot of companies are starting to come out with light strips. We're also seeing this from Osram. We're seeing Alumi announcing light strips. These are very popular, great for the kind of thing that you were talking about. I have a light strip behind my mantle in my family room. It can glow and change colors. Really cool effect as that kind of bounces off the rock of the fireplace there. Mm -hmm. I also have one atop the bookcases in my office, which I don't use for effect. I use for additional reflected lighting off of the ceiling. Gives a great additional light in my office without directed light, which is, you know, what I want since, you know, as you and I are talking with each other, we're looking at each other on cameras and I don't want direct light on me. I just kind of want an, an overall diffused light. So right. yeah, there are a lot of good options there and they too can tie into these systems that allow you to turn them on or off. But again, if you plug them into an outlet, that's going to turn off when the light switches off, they're not going to function. So you have to make sure that they're plugged in somewhere where they will always be on and you have a means of controlling them Maybe one of those Picos or your app or or one of these new little buttons like the the flick or the pop from Logitech that would allow you to mm -hmm. control it with a push of a button. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like that we could talk forever on these manufacturers like Philips and Osram and Wemo and Lifex and uh, Jasco. But you know what? Maybe we should meet up at CES and then maybe circle back six to eight months, see what's going on with this new wave of technology, and maybe some things will change. But I bet in the meantime, I could listen to Home On and get probably some good information from CES, right? You probably could. And if you're going to be at CES, I'm actually speaking on a Bluetooth SIG panel about smart lighting. It's a panel... Uh, part of the IoT for Everyone series, and the panel is called Smart Lighting Just Needs to Work. Very good. Now, that sounds like a panel that I need to be witnessing. I need to come <laughs> to this talk. I will be at CES, and I will try to catch up with you, but uh, I appreciate you talking to Reset about all of this stuff and making some sense out of it. So if I want to get more information, if I want to follow you, listen to your podcast, tell me where to find you. If your listeners don't already know, I suspect they probably do, but I host Home On. It is a show about 
DIY home automation product. A lot of different shows out there about home automation. We focus specifically on product that you can acquire and set up and use yourself. And also, I'm a I'm up on Twitter, and uh, I usually say a lot on Twitter, and most of it is consolidated to one account, just at Richard Gunther. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Richard, and I look forward to learning more about LED lighting in the future. All right. Thank Thanks, you for Richard. having me on. I love what you're Thank doing you, here, Richard. Dave. Thanks. To thank Richard for coming onto the show, be sure to go out there and uh, subscribe to Home On. It's a really well done podcast, really well done show, and I enjoy it every time he publishes a new show. Now, speaking of something new, I did publish uh, a new YouTube about it. It's about a door and window sensor, so it's right up the home automation alley. I think you'll like it. I tried a couple of new things. I'm doing... It's, I know I talk about my YouTube channel a lot, guys. I am really trying to perfect this thing. And if you have feedback for me, I would I would like it. I really would. I would like to know what you like, what you will watch, what do you want to know. Do you want more of this product stuff? Do you want video log? Do you want day-to-day? Do you want me to talk into the camera? Do you, you want not to talk into the camera? Do you think my fingers are fat? I know I chew my fingernails. I had a big cut on my finger. I just, I want to know what you think. Now, last week, I asked you about my 4K video, and I did get some feedback on that. So, obviously, the Pixel XL, which shoots in 4K, is not the greatest in low light for 4K. I get that. We'll try it again. But I thought I thought to myself, you know what? If you can't do 1080p good, then why are you messing with 4K? It was just something for me to play around with. But I appreciate your feedback on that. So I'm going to stick with 1080p, and I'm going to try to do the topics that you are interested in. So please go out there and take a look at my latest strips video. It's a door and window sensor. It's really kind of cool, actually. And... um YouTube.com slash David McCabe. Hit that subscribe button. I would really appreciate that. That's it. This episode 13. Thank you for your feedback. Catch me on Twitter at David McCabe. Actually, what? What? No. <laughs> it's at McCabe IO. I'm going to roll the cool outgoing music and it's going to ask you to give me some stars on iTunes. So while you're listening to this, head up to iTunes. Give me some stars. Hey, we'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening to Reset. This has been Reset, a member of the Geeks Network. Check out thegeeksnetwork.com for more great podcasts and forums. Reset can be found at mccabe.io, youtube.com slash David McCabe for the videos, and on Twitter at mccabe.io. Intro and outro music by Daryl Lee. Find Daryl Lee at soundcloud.com, Daryl Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E Music. Support of this podcast can be done at patreon.com slash David McCabe. And if you wouldn't mind, throw a couple stars out there on iTunes if you get a chance to. Thank you for supporting, and I'll see you next week on Reset. Reset.